0: In this season of Epiphany, we've been looking at the gospel of Mark in its initial chapter and how the early ministry of Jesus was focused on proclaiming the gospel, that the kingdom of God is upon you. That was what Jesus said, and to repent and to believe in the good news, that this message to proclaim that God's promises were being fulfilled. And in the Gospel of Mark, there's this fun little uh, aspect where the demons understand who Jesus is, but He says, don't tell anybody. It's kind of wait till the appropriate time for it to be fully revealed, that yes, the kingdom of God is upon us, and yes, it is in Christ that we see this happening. So Jesus' ministry is one where He goes from town to town, proclaiming the gospel, and along the way he meets people who are in need of healing, whether it's the fever that Simon's mother-in-law is afflicted with, or, or demons, or blindness, or whatever the case might be in mind, body, and spirit, we see that as Jesus proclaims the gospel, he heals people as well. Now, when the apostle Paul, which we heard from 1 Corinthians today, talks about proclaiming the gospel, he means the same thing as Jesus, but he also means that in Christ's death and resurrection, we have the promise of eternal life. That that central message, that we have the promise of eternal life, and it's not about our good works, it's a gift of grace, by grace through faith that this is the central message of the gospel, and it is meant, just like Jesus, to be shared. It is good news. That is literally what the word gospel means, good news. It is good news that we want to share with the world. That same commission that Paul talks about is one that we as baptized people of faith share. That we, too, have a calling to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news. That it's not about being good enough or earning our way. It's a gift of grace and that we have the promise of eternal life and the promise of God's Holy Spirit right here, right now. Now, what I find inspiring about Paul Paul sometimes gets a hard time in modern-day listeners, but I find there's much to be commended. And in this particular chapter, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says something amazing. He says, I have this commission. I've been entrusted to share this message, and I don't do it for personal gain. I do it in order, and we may phrase this differently, to win people for Christ. And he says, To the Jews, I I became a Jew. To those under the law, I followed the law. To those not under the law, I didn't follow the law. To the weak, I became weak. In order that in proclaiming the gospel, that I by all means might win some. In other words, Paul says, I have become all things to all people in order to share the gospel. I'd like to say that this approach of being all things to all people is worth strong consideration. So first of all, when it says, be all things to all people, what it doesn't mean is becoming like a chameleon. We know what that means. When someone uh, changes their behavior to fit in, with a group that they're not part of, it can be very inauthentic and fake. That's not what Paul does, and and that's not what he's telling us to do. To, To be all things to all people while still proclaiming the central message, the good news of Christ, means very simply that we learn to meet people where they are to meet them on their own terms, and then share the gospel with them. So let me further do this as a church. The difference between being all things to all people in order to share the gospel could be exemplified by understanding the difference between being a welcoming church and an inclusive church. So to be a welcoming church, we may have a welcome statement, right? And there's nothing wrong with being a welcoming church. That's a great first step. To be a welcoming church says, all are welcome here. It doesn't matter who you are, what's your background, your race, ethnicity, language, sexual orientation, economic status, education, all of those things that divide. We say all are welcome. You can be part of the family here sounds great right but how does that tend to function i can tell you that most of the time and most churches i think are at that place what it means is you're welcome to come and be part of us if you change who you are to fit in with us now no one would put that on a church sign all are welcome if you act just like we do but it tends to be how things play out. And then we wonder, why aren't new people joining our church? Why, why are we having trouble, you know, attracting people? It's because what Paul does, and what he encourages us to do, is, is to walk, sort of like, who does the work? Does the new person have to change who they are to fit in with us? Or do we learn about other people We do the work to understand where someone else is coming from. So a couple years ago, after I first came to Bethel, I introduced a tool that many of you took called the IDI, or the Intercultural Development Inventory. And what this tool does is it helps people grow in their ability to connect to people who have a cultural difference, whatever way you wanna talk about culture and learn to adapt their behavior to connect to someone authentically who is different i think that's what paul is talking about and we if we learn to step into this are going to become more and more effective not only in just sharing the gospel but connecting to people in a way that meets them where they are that says i understand and appreciate you for who you are that you are a beloved child of God, just as you are, just as I am, and I want to connect with you. Now, we also have the added commission or entrustment to share the gospel in whatever way we can. We see the same thing in Jesus' ministry, this idea that Jesus meets people where they are. He doesn't ever say even to people who are complete sinners. He doesn't say to any of them, you need to change who you are before I heal you. You need to change how you're thinking about God before I teach you about the gospel. He meets people where they are and allows God's amazing love and grace to shape them on their journey. The same is true for us. But in our gospel story today, the first part of it in particular, because we just heard about how Peter, sometimes known as Simon, James, John, and Andrew were the first disciples called, and they begin following Jesus as He's proclaiming the gospel, sharing the good news that God's kingdom is here right now and you have access to it, and teaching them in a new way to which stuns all of the religious leaders. They're astounded by him, and he begins healing people. And today's sort of part of the story, they go to Simon Peter's house, and his mother-in-law is ill. Now, it says she has a fever. I think it's probably something much more severe than just a cold. As they come to Jesus at once. They've already heard that He can heal people. Now, Jesus doesn't take a litmus test on Simon Peter's mother-in-law, if she's a person of faith or good moral standing. He just heals her at once, lifts her up. The fever left her, and what's amazing to me, I love this little nugget, it says, she began to serve them. Now, the cynical part of me says, maybe Jesus just wanted a hot meal. (laughs) But I would maybe spin it a different way because the word there, she began to serve them, literally is minister. She began to minister to Jesus and the disciples. To serve them a meal, yes, but it's part of a ministry. So when Jesus meets us where we are, We receive God's love, but we're also empowered to our own ministry. Part of that is sharing the good news, but part of it is also serving the basic needs of those we meet, those who are hungry, those who may need shelter, those who need a compassionate ear to listen This gospel message, this good news of Jesus, is worth sharing. It's worth receiving first for ourselves, and we need reminders of it all the time, but we also want to share it. Whether that's through our words, our actions, our very lives, we are on a journey of faith. May the Spirit continue to lead and guide us. Amen.